Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Beer and Honey, the German football pod. Today, Dortmund take control of the title race as they sweep aside bogey team Augsburg, while in Munich, Thomas Tuchel is at a loss to explain another strange defeat as Bayern go down 3-1 at home to Leipzig. Also going down, Hertha after a 1-1 draw with Bochum. But who else will drop the Bundesliga 2 with them? Stay tuned for this week's edition of the Beer and Honey podcast to find out. Hello, dear listener, and welcome to another edition of Beer and Honey, match day 33 and all sorts of stuff happening at both ends of the pitch. With me here to discuss everything is Christoph Biermann. And I'm, of course, Raphael Honigstein. And thank you for tuning in. Also, thank you for supporting us by being a member. You help us keep this lovely little pod on the road. You can also become an ultra and get a mug, a special beer and honey mug as a token of your uh as a token of our appreciation, if you take out a season ticket, thank you very much. We do need your support. We value it very much. Please, if you haven't already signed up to be a member of the Supporters Club, consider doing so. It really makes a massive difference to us. But let's get going because there's lots to cover in this crazy match day 33. Christoph, we have to start in the German capital where you went to see your beloved VfL Bochum. Uh, usually people, well, often people at the Olympic Stadium are in danger of getting bored to death. But you had another very perilous experience. Tell us all about it. Yeah, I had some some kind of near-death experience because Bochum, uh, as you said, my beloved team, was 1-0 down at Hertha, the bottom team of the Bundesliga. Um, Hertha desperate needed a win to at least have a theoretical chance of uh, staying in the Bundesliga. And um, the stadium was almost almost packed, uh, 71,000 there. Hertha fans excited, a, a enormous uh, Bochum crowd supporting uh, the away team. I mean, for Bochum standard, it's a pretty small team. There were over 10,000 people that had took the trip to Berlin. And... Um, Hertha was was one nil up um, after um, about an hour uh, when Lucas Toussaint headed in a, a corner, and and after this, uh, yes, uh, uh, Bochum desperately tried to get the equalizer, and they got it in the ninety fourth minute, and um, yeah, and uh, that was one of the moments where I was wondering if someday I will simply pass away in a football stadium <laughs> in situations like this. And, uh, uh, yeah, but um, uh, I survived. It'd be a lovely way to go, Alni, let's face it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I don't know. Probably. I mean, I, it maybe it's 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 too morbid to um, as long as you don't interrupt the game, it's fine. Uh, yeah. So so probably towards the end of the yeah. game, uh, enormous victory, big points, great equalizer, winning goal or whatever, and then uh, <laughs> bye bye world. <laughs> this is a slight uh, veering off on a tangent, but 
recently Mrs. Honigstein asked me if I could repeat anything of my life, what would it be? And I thought about it for a minute and said, I don't know, <laughs> probably something football related. <laughs> She did not like that, that answer. Yeah. yeah, probably you would would try to rewind the um, 99 um, Champions League final in Barcelona. I, that would be a guess. I, I, I If you can change the outcome, yes. So, um, yeah, and this, um, this draw was uh, for Bochum, um, the equalizer by Kevin Schlotterbeck, who, who only came in to... Uh, replace Ayhan Mazovic, a, a central defender, because he, he was injured. And uh, but but uh, Kevin Schlotterbeck, who is on loan from Freiburg, came came uh, on to replace him. But he not only hit the post um, uh, short before time, but he also scored the equalizer. And and <laughs> he was saying something very nice. He he said his heartbeat was um, over 200 then. And it was for him, it was the biggest moment in his footballing career since being promoted with Barling from the, I think, sixth level of German football to the fifth or the, from the fifth to the fourth. And uh, so, yeah. Uh, a, a great moment for, for, for Bochum, a shock moment in the uh, arena in Gelsenkirchen, where um, Schalke managed to get a, get a draw, a 2-2 draw against uh, Eintracht Frankfurt. So if Bochum would have lost um, at the Olympiastadion, um, Schalke with a 2-2 draw, against Frankfurt would have jumped one place um, from 17 to 16. And as we know, that makes a huge difference between because the 7th and 18th uh, team in the Bundesliga go down straight and the uh, third from the bottom uh, will have the chance to, uh, with two relegation games, again, the third of the Bundesliga, that is either Heidenheim or the mighty HSV, Hamburg. And um, yeah, but um, before we go into this, um, uh, this uh, what it all means and who else is involved in the relegation fight, maybe we should have a word for Hertha because that um, I think it was also a near death experience for many Hertha supporters because uh, that equalizer meant that uh, Hertha is going down. Um, for the seventh time in their history, uh, they will leave the Bundesliga to the second division and um, will have a hard time. They will have a hard time because they have financial problems and, of course, a, a new setup with the 777 partners coming in. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be difficult for them to come back. We talked about the rumors about their problems obtaining a license from the German uh, league to continue. And there's a big gap in the finances, apparently. Uh, that gap won't be smaller, made smaller by going down with the TV money. I think it's less than a third that you get, yeah. more or less, yeah, which is also, not a lot. And also with, with match day revenues and sponsorship and, and so on and so on. So um, you lose a lot of money and, and still it's in doubt if, if Hertha will, will get the license. Um, so, but, but that, 
So everything is very bleak around Hertha uh, right now. And uh, but let's see what happens in the weeks uh, uh, to come. It's a bit of a shame um, uh, because uh, Hertha showed this season how big as a club they are. They set a record this season uh, with their higher ever highest ever attendance um, in the Bundesliga, and um, yeah, and um, so I. I I think we should keep our fingers crossed that they survive this um, a terrible situation. You think it's that bad? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 pretty bad, and um, I think everybody will do everything they can, and that includes um, the DFL, the German Football League, um, uh, to 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 keep Hertha because, um, as I said, it's it's a huge club. With a huge following, and um, uh, but but uh, yeah, but it 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 will take an enormous effort uh, to save them. Well, Schalke, you mentioned briefly, they played out a two-two draw against uh, Frankfurt, which might yet be enough to save themselves or not. We don't know until next week. They are still in a relegation spot in seventeenth, but. With just one point behind Bochum and Stuttgart, they can still survive. What did you make of their performance on Saturday? Um, Schalke showed what they have um, shown, especially in the second, uh, especially in the second half of of the season. This enormous resilience, always coming back from. I mean, they started fantastic. Uh, they were went one nil up um, after fifty seconds. So it was interesting, and they already had scored before. Um, uh, before the kickoff in in Berlin started, so the news came that they were one 0 up when they before um, uh, Bochum in uh, Berlin um, had begun. Um, but then they were one two down, and uh, Frankfurt were the better team, and so on. But five minutes from time. They managed to uh, score the equalizer by Sebastian Polter. And, and now, yeah, I think there will be thousands and thousands of Schalke fans uh, heading to Leipzig um, next Saturday. And um, they have to get one point more than uh, Stuttgart or Bochum to jump one, one place. I mean, it's pretty difficult. Uh, we will talk about Leipzig later on. They look very much in form and um, yeah, but also I think we, 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 we need to talk a bit about Stuttgart because um, they had a fantastic 4-1 away win on Sunday at Mainz, who are a bit out of form. Uh, I think we can say that with four defeats in a row now after their um, famous win against uh, Bayern. Uh, that How many times does that happen? And and why is it happening? Do you have a theory? No. Well, we have may the explanation maybe that teams, they they try extra hard and then they win and then they celebrate and then the next two <laughs> games they're too tired or can't, uh, can't quite raise their game anymore. But maybe it's just... Uh, as the famous saying goes, since since I found out about confirmation bias, I see it all the time. Uh, maybe this is just a uh, 
a mistaken impression that this happened very often, but it does seem to be. I, I mean, I think we talked about Stuttgart as as one one of the probably the most unlucky team uh, in the Bundesliga when you compare their performance with their results and um, being a much better team than uh, the table tells. And um, it looks as if they they are, are able to at least um, uh, change the uh, change this towards the end of the season and um, and and I'm almost sure that they uh, will will stay in the Bundesliga and win their last match. They they play at home um, against Hoffenheim, and um, and Hoffenheim uh, themselves managed to be safe with a tremendous 4-2 win um, against uh, Union Berlin. So, yeah, the the situation, but, but they are. Um, Still a lot of teams involved. Also, we talk later on about uh, Dortmund and Augsburg, but um, Augsburg losing to Dortmund means they are also in in this lottery. They um, they can't go down directly anymore. They, but they can go to the relegation playoff spot. Yes, I mean they can still go down directly anymore if Schalke score fifteen goals <laughs> in the next game. The interesting thing is when, when you look at the um, calendar of the last uh, match day next Saturday, there is none uh, of the games um, where nothing is at stake. And, and that is probably the biggest last uh, uh, day of the season in the history of the Bundesliga. Hmm. I, 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 at least, I mean, we haven't been... Uh, digging deep in 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 the archives as maybe in the season 67 68 or something something oh yeah similar. that one yeah <laughs> so, something uh something similar happened but um, i remember it well <laughs> but probably we we, we we should climb up uh, yes. the ladder a bit a bit like stuttgart let's climb up the ladder as far as a, mid a genuine mid-table game is concerned, I think we can briefly talk about Werder Bremen against 1. FC Köln. Uh, Bremen on a bit of a disappointing run in uh, recent weeks. Not really following through in that good start they had under Ole Werner. And uh, Köln, I think for them to be in mid-table is, is a huge success, so we shouldn't really be uh, negative about them. They played a 1-1 one -one draw, but it was very, very exciting. Yeah, and... Um, I think um, Werder was a very nervous before that because, I mean, how we saw it from, from afar, they were always kind of safe. and uh, But they didn't feel that themselves because um, uh, two years ago when they went down, they had this horrible run towards um, the end of the season when they didn't manage to, to, to get a, a single point and, and eventually... Uh, went down, and um, I think the in most of the minds of the Werder Bremen supporters, there was something like, "Oh, this could happen again." And as you said, um, they are um, when when we look at the Rückrunden Tabelle, so the table of the second half of the season, they are only um, a second from the bottom. So the um, their performance in the uh, second half of the season uh, dramatically declined. And so this 1-1 draw was very um, important for them. 
and um, maybe a bit lucky, but uh, who cares? And uh, and now they surely be uh, playing in the Bundesliga next season. They have the so far top scorer of the Bundesliga, Niklas uh, Füllkrug, who so far scored 16 goals and. Uh, there seems to be a big chance that he at least stays another season. So uh, let's see what, what's, what's happening with Werder. And again, for, for Cologne, I think we can only have praise for their season. And uh, very impressive what um, Stefan Baumgart made out of very limited means. Yeah, an amazing atmosphere also in the Weserstadion, I think we should mention. Uh, both from the Köln fans, the visiting fans, but also from the home side. A genuine football Bundesliga heavyweight contest, and at least as far as the fan base is concerned, Werder Bremen against Köln, none of them really in the mix for higher honours uh, in the last few years, but we're very happy that they're in the league. I think we can all agree on that. Okay, um, another game in that region although we're getting it slightly higher and slightly more european as we move along as we move up the table was leverkusen's home game against Borussia Mönchengladbach leverkusen as you know um probably mentally scarred from that uh, game against uh, roma with uh, very little football played they had a chance to uh, at least play a bit of football with a team that even if they tried, I'm sure, couldn't be as defensive and uh, pragmatic as uh, Jose Mourinho's side were. That was, of course, Gladbach under Daniel Farke. They themselves are not having a great season. Uh, Leverkusen with a chance to uh, make some ground up on Wolfsburg. And they took a 2-0 lead inside 20 minutes. And then, Christoph, the old Leverkusen reflexes came back or is that slightly simplistic especially the equalizer for Borussia Mönchengladbach um, I think you should look it up in the internet I wh whoever did not see it because it was in a way so funny so um, Marcus <laughs> Thuram didn't get a, a pass and, and then he ran into the goal of, of Leverkusen uh, holding the net, looking angrily towards the stand and then was slowly wake, walking away to, towards the, the pitch and was standing around in the penalty box. And all of a sudden, Nadim Amiri, the Leverkusen um, midfielder, uh, who got a bit under pressure um, uh, from, from Borussia uh, Mönchengladbach uh, players. And then he passed the ball back to where he was uh, thinking goalkeeper Radetzky was. Uh, but but uh, Markus Thuram was in front of him. And so <laughs> he, he could he, who could easily pass the ball two meters uh, to Lars Stindl and he scored the equalizer. So... Yeah, it was a Christmas present in 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 spring or early summer, um, and it was yeah probably one of the uh, 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 funniest goal that we could see this season. And uh, yeah, um, and that was the last the minute of the game, we should say, and that was the equalizer. So, not great timing. N not great timing. Yeah, it's true. 
uh, Leverkusen look, looked happy that they, they hadn't to play um, against uh, another Rome-type team. Um, uh, you said it, they were 2-0 two, two up, uh, played well, fluid and Leverkusen-like. So um, the positive side of being Leverkusen-like. But then they, I don't know what it was, probably they got, got tired, uh, lack of concentration, but then in the end... Um, They gave the, the, the game away, um, or at least they gave the win away. Um, so, yeah, that uh, leads to the situation that next Saturday um, they have to win at Bochum um, because um, if they want to um, qualify for the Europa League, because at the same time the other contender, Wolfsburg, um, uh, plays Hertha at home, and I think it's almost sure that they will win it. I mean, that point from Leverkusen did help them leapfrog Frau for Wolfsburg. Uh, Wolfsburg side that lost already on Friday night 2-0 against uh, Champions League place chasing SC Freiburg. Freiburg with a Big win and with a very, very romantic story. Niels Petersen, one of the old school players in the Bundesliga and Bundesliga too, we should say, the most successful substitute forward in the history of the Bundesliga, was brought on in his final home game because he will retire at the end of the season. It was nil-nil. And what did he do? He scored two goals. It was almost... Too romantic, too schmaltzy, but Christian Streich cried, everyone was on their feet, and it wasn't just about him scoring his 149th goal in Bundesliga 1 and 2 combined, but also a real big three points for Freiburg in the fight for the Champions League. They're still in fifth, but now with a really big chance in making fourth because Union Berlin are now level with them uh, and just ahead by four goals. The, the Freiburg supporters were um, hanging out a banner um, uh, when he came on saying, nobody is bigger than the club, but you came damn close. Mm. And yeah, I think that's, nice. that, that was very nice because... Um, Niels Petersen is not only, um, as you said, a prolific goal scorer. Um, he also was very important for the team. And, and that a, a player like him accepted for such a long time, like two, it's almost three seasons now, maybe longer, that he is more or less the guy who is, who is coming in. Um, although he is one of the leaders of, of this Freiburg teams, um, tell something about him. And also he, um, he very often gave nice interviews, had a, had a very, um, how can I say that, um, 
clear perspective of, of what uh, professional football is. So, um, uh, sometime, so, for example, he was saying that he sometimes was uh, thinking that he uh, gets dumped by playing um, uh, professional football because it's no... Uh, with the, because of the lack of uh, intellectual stimulation and, and so on, but but um, so so but but he wasn't an outsider or, or something like that. He um, was very much a a leader of his team, as I already said. And um, so at Freiburg, everybody loves him, and I think will love him. Um, also in the years to come, um, uh, Christian Streich, Freiburg's coach, they they will stay in touch uh, forever or for as long as um, they are there. And um, yeah, it's a, it's the, the end or almost the end of a very nice story. Uh, next week, probably uh, Niels Petersen comes up, uh, uh, comes on again in Frankfurt. And maybe <laughs> there is the final chapter of his um, romantic Freiburg story with another goal. Yeah, well, not so romantic a story for Union Berlin. They traveled to TSG Hoffenheim. Union Berlin, you remember, had the Champions League anthem ringing out in their dressing room after the win last week. They had uh, the fans riffing on uh, the Champions League. Yeah, but it didn't go according to script because they lost 4-2 at Hoffenheim and it was one of those Union performances away from home that we have seen uh, sometime usually so organized so hard to play against but when they do get a bad game things kind of open up very quickly for the opposition is it because the man marking when it doesn't quite work then it leaves huge gaps I don't know what the real reason was but certainly they, they lost 4-2 and now Champions League uh, qualification is in danger again. Yeah, it is in danger. Um, but um, uh, next week they have a home uh, game against Werder Bremen. And uh, as we said, Freiburg at the same time is playing in Frankfurt. And Freiburg has to get more points uh, from their game uh, than uh, Union. So uh, Either Union has to lose at home against uh, Werder and uh, Freiburg get a point at the same time or um, Freiburg winning and um, Union only getting a draw. Um, I think it's nothing systematically that went wrong at, at Hoffenheim. They just make gross errors. And uh, it it was, there were a lot of, unforced errors but you, you you could see that um robin knoche was uh, was missing um in the back three maybe with, together with rani kedira there one of and uh, geraldo becker up front uh, one of the key players of the team and um yeah so um altogether um it was a day to forget for for union and uh, but I'm still pretty sure that they will make it to the Champions League. Well, I hope so. Um, I think it would be lovely to see Union. Although, of course, Freiburg in the Champions League would also be great. So whatever happens, I think football, Christoph, will be the winner. Yeah, uh, that's Next true. weekend. Whether, whether Borussia <laughs> Dortmund will be the winner 
next weekend of the season is yet to be seen, but they now have full control in the title race, courtesy of what happened first on Saturday in Munich and then not far away in Augsburg on Sunday. Let's start in Munich. Bayern against Leipzig. They knew that two wins would secure the title and they started really well. Serge Gnabry, really fine goal. Gnabry, the informed player for Bayern at the moment. Uh, 25th minute. Nothing really happened in the first 35 minutes. Bayern looked like they were really in charge. They had one or two more opportunities. One or two chances from Leipzig, but nothing really dramatic. And then in the second half, things fell apart. And they fell apart in dramatic fashion because they conceded a goal mm -hmm. from their own corner, which is the sort of thing that drives every manager absolutely nuts. Um, at one stage, they had four Leipzig players bearing down on Bayern's goal, which is Serge Gnabry trying to defend. And then they gave away two penalties to lose 3-1. And now, even though there's still a theoretical chance, It almost feels like the end game has started. Not the end game for this team, but the end game for those above them. As Bayern are bracing themselves for the day of long knives, <laughs> <laughs> when the supervisory meeting will happen on the 30th of May. But let's stick with the, the game for a second. Thomas Tuchel, as angry as we've seen him so far in his Bayern spell, found a very nice allegory. He said the problem with defending uh, this corner, well, uh, defending the counter-attack that led to the goal, was that the players didn't adapt to the situation. They didn't understand the danger. And he said there's a big difference if you're crossing the road in Bogenhausen, which is a very leafy part of Munich where he happens to live, or in New York. If you just cross the road without looking, you will get driven you will get run over. And that's what happened to Bayern with Musiala and Coman being just a little bit too weak and not reading the danger. And that goal ultimately put Bayern on the path to defeat because once again, and that was the real worrying thing, they sort of just imploded afterwards. There was nothing. There was no comeback. There was no resilience. There was just, oh no, Is happening again. And for a team that has built this mythology, at least in the last few years, of being always there when it matters and being more confident than anyone else and believing in themselves, their own strength, it was probably the worst way to lose the game. Self-inflicted and no real signs of anyone fighting against the key the key defeat of the season potentially quite shocking interestingly also thomas tuchel said he didn't see it coming so he didn't see any signs uh, during the training week um so sometimes Coaches have developed a kind of sense that probably things are not, not uh, going on well um, in a match. But um, he said they had a fantastic training week. Everybody seemed to prepare. Everybody seemed to be sharp. And um, 
And it looked like this, as you already said, um, in the especially in the first half hours uh, when Bayern was fully in control of, of the game. Uh, but then part by part, minute by minute, they lost it. And um, uh, so uh, it, it's it's surprising, still surprising to see. I don't know what, what how, how you um, how you see it. It's like um, because they, this team had um, a fantastic performances uh, in this season, especially in the uh, first half of the season. Um, we, I think we all remember this uh, a tremendous 6-1 away win at Frankfurt on the very um, first day of the season where Bayern looked like as if they would be the runaway champion <laughs> by Christmas or so. And, um, and I think everybody in, in Munich is um, still wondering what is wrong with these players that they couldn't keep their resilience. Um, everybody seems to have uh, lost form, um, especially after the World Cup. The only uh, a player against the trend is Thomas Müller who scored five in the second half of the season and only two in the first half. Um, but but, but, but uh, apart from this number, do, do, do we learn any, have we learned anything new about this Bayern team um, on Saturday evening or is this only the confirmation of um, suspicions about them uh, we already had for quite a while. Well, I don't think it's it's either or, Christoph. It it does confirm all the problems that we've seen, and we've seen Bayern lose games in this fashion many times this season. But what's new is that every time you think, okay, finally they've turned a corner, and here Bayern are back, as we said last last week when they destroyed Schalke, and when I was sure that they will just go on and uh, continue to. Uh, to win the last couple of games with, with not much problem, then it doesn't happen. And that's still, if you are um, familiar with Bayern over the recent years, that is still shocking every single time it happens again. And as you said, Thomas Tuchel said, nothing, nothing in this week suggested that this kind of performance would happen because there was a great atmosphere, real focus. And it's the second or third time that Tuchel has said he can't really read this team. Mm-hmm. Uh, for somebody who's been around for a few years, you think you have a handle on when a team performs well and when they don't. And with Bayern, there doesn't seem to be a pattern. You can have bad training sessions and great games and good training sessions and bad games. And I found it was quite remarkable to see a coach who is at the very top of his game basically saying, I don't know what what's going on here. He was very open. And of course, you can say, well... In a way, he was basically saying the problems that exist here are kind of so deep that I'm still not in a position to solve to solve them. But I think it is probably the way he really feels about this Bayern team. They are a bit of a mystery. And you see stupid mistakes at the worst times of, of a game. And the kind of pragmatism and cleverness and smartness that you need at this level and these players should have it they have won the champions league a lot of them 
the stuff that was missing for the Germany team at the World Cup, if you will, you see with the Bayern team as well. And of course, there is an overlap in personnel, but that doesn't explain why. That's just that is just a statement of fact. Why did this? I I don't know. If they would be Borussia Dortmund, we would talk about mentality. <laughs> yeah, we would. And it was interesting because Tuchel was asked about this and he said, this is not a question of mentality. This is a question of details. If you stop moving in the right way, if you don't follow the plan in the build-up, if people don't show for the ball, if people make the wrong decisions, then little by little become problems, which tells you a lot about his view of football. I think he's quite a technocrat at heart. Uh, I think he's become better when it comes to connecting with players, but I think he still sees football in a, a fairly rational, technical way that can be put together by doing 100 right decisions all over the pitch. Yeah, uh, but for whatever reason, this Bayern team don't seem to be able to do it. And maybe, as we talked about in the past, Christoph, there is something wrong in the makeup of this team, how they relate to each other on a more psychological level that is very hard to pinpoint where things are just not quite right. I think you can sum it up as mentality because mentality in a, in a sense um, that you take responsibility for the whole team, that you concentrate for, for, for 90 minutes, that you uh, see dangers and, and, take care of them, for, for example, that you know that uh, probably every duel is, uh, is 100% important and, and so, so on. Um, everybody was wondering if um, Borussia Dortmund would show their problems in Augsburg, um, but they didn't do. I mean, they... Uh, won 3-0 and in a very convincing way, I must say. Or what would you what would you say? I mean they they had the big advantage of being one player up after after 40 minutes, but already then they were in full control of, of, of the game. Um, uh, it was nil-nil um, when uh, Udokai was uh, sent off. But um, it could have been easily one or two nil at, at, at that times. And afterwards, um, Borussia Dortmund only had a very brief period um, where they, uh, after they were one nil up, where they were having a bit of problems with the physicality of this Augsburg team that came forward and yeah cre created not big chances but at least some problems um uh, for Borussia Dortmund but um Borussia Dortmund looked very mature and very much like a champion they did look like a champion they played like champions it could have been the proverbial banana skin game that uh, they haven't won in 3 years at Augsburg but they were in control They got the breaks as well that Udukai sending off, of course, made things a lot easier. Um, Augsburg created one or two chances, but it seemed to be inevitable that Dortmund were, were going to score. And it didn't look um, a bit of Fußball-Deutsch here. Okay. Learning Fußball-Deutsch with beer and honey. 
Verkrampft. <lacht> Verkrampft means when you are too tight, when you are too nervous and uh, you're, you're choking from nerves. And we never get that sense with Dortmund. Um, as they have been playing in, in, in most of the second half of the season, one or two bad games where we questioned their mentality a little bit, but they played again with real fluidity. Sebastian Allaire scored two goals, looked really good again. Julian Brandt had a fantastic game. Daniel Marlin, who won that red card by just being a little bit quicker and he was fouled and it was denying of a goal-scoring opportunity that uh, saw the sending off of Urukai and Dortmund. Yeah, Dortmund are very, very close. Very, very close now. Uh, now it's interesting because we saw both Terzic and Sebastian Kier saying, oh, hold on a moment, you know. Yes, uh, we worked hard for this, but there's one more game. Uh, let's, let's focus. Uh, no days off. You'll train all week. Uh, but at home, Christoph, against a Mainz team that have now lost four in a row and look um, like they've maybe checked out or they're already at the beach it should really be, I don't want to say a formality, but it would be the mother of all surprises if they don't win it now, don't wouldn't it? I think they, um, um, Borussia Dortmund will win it by three, four, five goals on, on uh, a Saturday. I, I think they will roll over uh, Mainz because um, uh, this... I think you can't overestimate how important this win at Augsburg is because it's tough to play in Augsburg. It's it's a difficult team to uh, to beat, especially for the top teams. Um, Leverkusen lost there, Bayern lost there, uh, RB Leipzig played three three, and 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 so on. It's, so it's 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 really tough to to win there, and it this win was another proof of their. Fantastic Borussia Dortmund's fantastic turnaround of the season after uh, this long World Cup winter break. Because when you look at the numbers before in the first half of the season, uh, Borussia scored 31 goals and in the second half 50. That is 19 more. Um, and we still have one game to play. And it's so interesting. Sebastian Allaire who, who scored two goals in Augsburg and uh, probably is is a story of the season coming back from cancer and and now having scored nine goals for, for Borussia. Karim Adeyemi had scored six and uh, Daniel Mann ha has scored nine. And all these players have all scored all goals in the second half of the season. So it, it's like as if they came on with a a, 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 a a complete new set of, of, of players to the second half of the season. And also, um, Eden Terzic managed uh, to stabilize uh, the defense in the first uh, part of the season. They got um, uh, 25 goals against them, now it's 17. And for me, the key player here is um, maybe I'm a bit biased because I know him and I know what a fantastic guy is. Is a Norwegian um, <clears throat> Julian Riasson um, as a left back who is probably limited in his footballing ability, but he has a a heart 
that is big as uh, the Westfalen Stadion. So, um, and I think he 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 was he was instrumental in in giving this Dortmund team an extra that it was uh, probably lacking. But but all around, um, I think. Um, Maybe we praise him a bit more if they really make the title, but I think Edin Terzic um, has, do, has done a tremendous job. And also with a difficult team and a team that showed some difficulties similar to what we had been talking about at, uh, at Bayern. But in the second half of the season, they only lost one game in... in, in um, in uh, Munich, 4-2, uh, and they had only three um, uh, draws. Uh, this controversial 1-1 draw in Bochum, but they should have got a, a penalty. Very unlucky, another draw in, in the Revere Derby at Schalke, where they were clearly uh, the better team. And then this crazy 3-3 at um, Stuttgart, where <laughs> they blew... Uh, a lead um, with one player up. So, um, but yeah, uh, still um, a yeah a probably one of the best turnarounds um, in the history of the Bundesliga when you compare the first half of the season and the second half of the season um, in the championship in a championship race. Yes, and we will come back with a conclusion of said Champions League race, which. Might be more dramatic, as Christoph said. He, he expects a big win for Mainz, but let's see. Uh, Thomas Müller still believes, he said. Uh, taking a lead maybe in Köln might put pressure on Dortmund. Mm, yeah. I'm not sure how convinced I am in that theory, but you know we've seen strange things happen in football, and especially in the Bundesliga. So we'll be back with our big review of the final match day of the season, which promises to be exciting, certainly at the bottom. Still all to play for, for three teams, maybe even four. And yeah, do tune in to find out what happens in this crazy Bundesliga season of ours. Well, that's all we got time for. Thank you very much. I was Rafael Honigstein. I was Christoph Biermann. And we say bye-bye. Bye-bye. Beer and Honey, the German football podcast. 